Hello, and welcome back to Modern Circadian Moms. I'm Nicole Hartman, and with us, Tina Matthews. How's it going, Tina? It's going well. How are you guys? We're great. We're wonderful. Now, how about, are you guys busy this time of year? Less busy. Soccer is over. Woo-hoo. So Yeah, I know. I feel so bad, but it's like, thank God. <laughs> it was so overwhelming. All right, yeah. so... Today we have a fun episode for you guys. We're going to revisit Nicole's journey with her son, Will, and his Down syndrome diagnosis and his autoimmune conditions and just how they're living the circadian lifestyle and how they're seeing that affect all of these conditions. But before we get started, we are going to remind you guys that this is not medical advice. We are just having a conversation. Always. Yeah. Let's get started. All right. So why don't you kind of walk us through your journey a little bit? Okay, uh, real quick, obviously start at the at the beginning. Uh, When I was pregnant with Will, um, you know, it was a very normal, typical pregnancy. I love being pregnant. Um, Isn't that that, crazy to say? People think you're nuts when you say that. I know because I I feel it's either one way or the other. You love it or you you hate it. Either you love it or you hate it. Yeah. Um, I always felt really good. And, um, you know, he's our first, you know, it was very exciting. And, uh, when he was born, we didn't know that he, uh, had down syndrome. So did you guys do like you had the anatomy ultrasound and you did all of those things and they just, how do you catch that? Okay. So you, I, I don't think it shows up in like blood work. Um, typically the, the, Biggest thing is, I think it's at the anatomy scan. It's the thickness of the neck, of the the fat behind the neck, because typically they have a little bit more whatever it is behind the neck. Like if you compared his neck even today to his siblings, it looks a little bit different. Okay, um, it's a it's just a little bit thicker. Um, but that would be why. But everything was normal, you know. And even like his facial structure, you know, knowing what I know now about like sonograms and stuff. I, there's positives and negatives, you know, I hate to pick one side. Um, like nothing, nothing. He looked, it was, everything was looked just fine. And he was extremely healthy, you know, nothing was off even after he was born and everything he took to nursing right away, you know? Um, so we didn't think anything of it until, uh, one of the pediatricians came in when we were in the hospital still, and he we noticed that one of his eyes was just kind of like turned in a little bit. It turns out that's still actually kind of a typical thing to happen, you know, even like with some like they just got to get used to all the things, you know, that's but then like he started to look further and he looked at his hands and now people with Down syndrome, their hands tend to be a lot shorter and wider and then they have a line that goes through like the middle of their hand, one of the folds of their hands. And so he was like, well, you know, I think it might be worth kind of investigating, you know, doing a little uh, blood work to see so it what it is. Like, it wasn't obvious. Like, Not at all. And he, crazy. yeah, I mean, he has never carried like, like if you looked at him, the thing that you would notice the most is he has no hair. That would be what you notice. But if he's wearing like a, you know, a ball cap of some sort, you would never, you would have to be like, huh, 
you know, that I, th I think he looks a little different, you know, because they have like the almond eyes, a wider nose bridge. Um, sometimes ears sit a little bit lower, but it, he looked, and I'd even have people, you know, when I went back to work after having him, that my principal, I was showing her pictures of him and everything. And she's like, are you sure he has Down syndrome? And then he went through kind of a phase where he looked a little bit more like he did uh, have Down syndrome. And then like now, I mean, you if you didn't know him, you know, you might do a double take. But when he wears a hat, um, I, he looks just like my dad. You know, like like he wear and he'll wear like a button up shirt and he looks just like my dad and he thinks that's the greatest thing. But um, yeah, I mean, it, his his uh, development was very typical. You know, he walked at a very typical age. He has really high muscle tone, and, and so is that abnormal. That is abnormal. Usually, they can be like real floppy. Okay. Um, I would say the the place where he is the most flexible is in his hips. But other than that, man, if he had to do a sit and reach test, he would fail. Like, I don't even think <laughs> like any other the boy, board. probably. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and his only struggle, I would say right now, if you want to call it a struggle, is his hands aren't very big. And so um, uh, my husband's very hesitant to move him up to another size of golf clubs because he's not sure he'll be able to grip them. <laughs> I so mean, that's a big picture. <laughs> that is not a bad problem. <laughs> Yeah, in the grand scheme of things. But I mean, you know, everything, he was just such a happy baby. Um, and I will say that, you know, oftentimes people say people with Down syndrome, oh, they're so happy. And my husband and I are both like, listen, this kid has more emotional roller coasters throughout the day than like a teenage girl does. <laughs> so, um, I mean, he gets angry, frustrated, you know. He has he, the whole range. Uh, yeah, he, he doesn't cry very often. Um and, you know, that's where then I like get in thought like, oh, my gosh, does he not have enough, um, you know, exclusion zone water build up that he can't. <laughs> it's funny that you say that. I've never thought about that. But like new fear unlocked. Yeah. I'll be thinking. Are they crying enough? Yeah. <laughs> no, but you know what he will cry over if we take his music away. Really? He loves Yeah, it. like if he like ventures around the neighborhood and he didn't tell anybody like, you know, that 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 we do have to have, you know, a, a, a consequence of of some sort. And uh, oftentimes it is uh, music being taken away and uh, he he will cry over that, like he'll get some tears. So I know he can. Um, it just doesn't come to him. You know, our our girls cry like, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Just now I got told, but you always do a podcast and daddy's <laughs> going to paint. And <laughs> yes, we just yep. podcast every day. Every day. Every day I do one. Yep. I was like once a week, once a week. I do a one hour a week. <laughs> oh yeah. Gosh. But um, going back to him, like, you know, he didn't get sick until he was like 18 months old for the first time. And he even went to daycare. Um, but, you know, it just seems to to follow that pattern that we that we so often see in kids these days is I go get something and then I get sick and then I go have to go back to that office to receive care for why I'm sick. And then it's like that sick cycle and so I think when you learn about Down syndrome, you learn that the oh the two sides of the immune system. What is it? The, the, the adaptive, yeah, the there's... T one, T two, or adaptive yeah. and eight. They tend to be off. Like one seems to always be activated. And I, I think it it always left me 
left us very curious because, you know, he would then get sick. And it just seemed like that sick cycle. And I think that those things that we, you know, show up for for well child checks, I am very skeptical of them for people with Down syndrome just because their immune system has trouble reaching homeostasis on its own. So, and like you've mentioned before, you think that people with Down syndrome have like a little bit of a lower mitochondrial function? Oh, 100% just just because they have Down syndrome. Yeah, it's like they're it's like they leak light, you know? Um and I I, I think you could have uh, multiple conversations around that, but I personally see it as they just have so much love to give that they, uh, you know, they're just giving off mass amounts of, you know, light to each other. <laughs> love it. I'm going to go with that. Right. Um, but, but, you know, it is interesting because, it, and this was one of my uh, questions that I had asked Carrie originally was do they have a greater need for infrared light? And I purely base this on the amount of hugs that are needed daily. Like everything is a hug, you know? Right. And we know that, you know, physical touch does give us that infrared yes. heat or light or whatever you want to call it. So if you're a kid and just like innately, you know what you need, you're going to go seek it out, especially right. if it's just a hug. Right. And so, you know, what is the, what is the harm in that? Because then, you know, you, you think about kids knowing what people need innate, innately, I guess, is it that I need a hug at that time too? Right. You know, it's like those kinds of little things. So it's like, uh, ultimately it's like that sharing of, of love and light. And I just have to wonder sometimes if, if people with disabilities kind of just know that, or we heed into that and think, it really is that simple. We just need to, we just need to love and then to, to right. just share that love, you know, I don't know, maybe that's too. Well, no, I, I agree because I think, you know, we, I just, I don't really love the wording around some of these things or like they call it, you know, a disability, but I think it's more like a different ability. Like maybe they are less, um, able in certain areas but they're more able in other areas and i think that they have like high intuition oh absolutely absolutely that's a that's a great way to put it you know it it's just we could have a lengthy conversation on you know uh, labeling and all of that kind of stuff you know because sadly at the end of the day it it's money for school systems to label but just because i'm different or you know i learn differently but no, you're right. I, I think that if we just leaned into more of, well, what what are they seeking and why? You right. know. So that's a good that's a good thing to bring up. But uh yeah, I mean it was a it was it's it was an interesting in process with him. It was definitely a learning experience for us, not not so much on having Down syndrome and like cognitive, you know, disability wise. Um I, I don't think we ever treated him differently, but like health stuff. I just wish I would have known some of this stuff, you know, like to because he handles it well, you know, but gosh, the torment, you know what I'm talking about. The torment on the parents is like the, the levels of stress that you experience. And after having like a sick kid and it doesn't matter if it's autoimmune or just like a sickly child or whatever it is, it, it's so hard on your nervous system as a mother, just the stress of it. And, like, I feel like I'm still recovering from when my oldest was little with that. 
you you do because every time then that something happens you relive that you know it's almost like ptsd yeah yeah because you go back into oh my gosh it's going to be that bad again or your stomach drops and you're like is something terrible happening right now is this the beginning of something awful? This is horrible. Which right. then you, obviously we reframe our thoughts. We're not living like that, but we can't help where our mind goes immediately. Oh, yeah. For before sure. we have the chance to reframe. Yeah. And I think too that, you know, like you and I are both the same as this is that because when he would get sick, it, it's almost like something in, in kids with Down syndrome, like they create so much mucus, you know, and like you, mucus is is healing to some extent. We know the job is to, it's trying to get whatever it is out. And, um, but gosh, I mean, for a couple of years when he would get sick, it would be like, oh, here we go. You know, like I'm going to have to, he's going to have pneumonia. He's going to have something. And I think like, I just kept searching, searching, searching. And um, again, not medical advice, but we definitely have found some things to be able to keep the mucus in a productive manner rather than being stuck. Um, Just some nebulizing, some different things, but uh, there's information out there to kind of, to help us hopefully before things exacerbate. Um, Because I will go seek help if I need to, you know, I'm not like saying we're not anti the medical like field, but it's more right. of like, you know, we want to use it when it's truly needed and not, yes, not like right. all the time when it's not needed. We're then exactly. Yeah. So, okay. So he's born in, okay. We have to get off track just for a second because it's me, but so what were you guys like, what were your emotions when they were like, Oh, maybe he has down syndrome, but we don't know. We have to do testing. Like I, I can't even imagine that. It was, uh, it was something, it was definitely something because it, and it honestly, like, uh, you know, the more, uh, I guess the more soul searching, the more spiritual seeking that I've done over the years, it was my ex, it was our expectations. It was our expectations that we were going to have this little boy and we were going to be able to do all of these things with this little boy, you know, and he'll do all these sports and stuff like that. Um, It was our expectation that we were expecting to have that child. And it turns out we still have that child because he does all of these things and he's really athletic and does all of these sports now. But um, I can remember getting the call from our pediatrician at the time and uh, it was at night and I can remember my mom being, no, I don't think my mom was there, but we took the call and we both just cried. Like, you know, it's like that release. It was sad. And I can remember my husband calling, calling his parents. And essentially it's almost like we were apologizing, you know, because we all have Ugh, that. I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> um, which is, this is funny to think about because he, he'll be turning 15 here in a few weeks. And, uh, it was like, you know, you just have this beautiful little baby and then you realize you're like, well, you He's can be sad. beautiful. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. You give yourself that time to be sad. And I probably struggled with it for a little bit more, you know, just like hormonal stuff after oh, yeah. having oh, a baby and imagine. then news on top of that. But thankful he was healthy, but you still had, you, you still have to do like all this stuff for people with Down syndrome. Like you have to have their hearing checked. And so we did a, it was like a three hour hearing check and, um, he slept most of the, he nursed most of the time. And, uh, but then you have to do like heart checks and stuff. And he had a little murmur, but nothing that needed, um, 
nothing that needed corrected, thankfully. So we're we're actually very, very fortunate in that right. in that space. Um, yeah. Do you know the lot. percentage of like kids who have Down syndrome and like the heart? Like how many of them have heart issues? I don't know. I probably did it one time. I know that when we were 24, 25, when I, we had him, um, our percentage of having a kid with Down syndrome was like one in a thousand or something like that, or like one in 1200. Um, but I, I mean, there's so many theories to why it happens. Like, you know, B sometimes vitamin it's deficiency. just meant to be like it. Yeah. And we've when, had that conversation. Yeah. yeah. Because if, if, if he didn't have Down syndrome, he wouldn't be well. Right. And yeah. like, I don't know, once you have your kids and they just are the way that they are, like you would never change it. No, it is, he is who he is. Right. And he is strongly, strongly will. And he has a lot of willpower. We'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> All he, right. Uh, yeah. So uh, he's definitely my, uh, you know, he's like my first child. He's my Baby, baby boy and him and my husband man sometimes they just you know because he is he is strong-willed and uh you know it's the it oldest just, boy thing it's the oldest exactly yeah they're they know what they want they exactly. know when they want it <laughs> and they're gonna do it yeah and like please please don't try and stop me because right oh gosh so let's go into the autoimmune conditions. You said that those are really common with the Down syndrome diagnosis. They are. They are. And it seems to be uh, very similar ones. It seems to be <clears throat> alopecia. It seems to be thyroid issues, not necessarily though um, Hashimoto's, uh, more hypothyroidism. Okay. And then, which isn't necessarily autoimmune. And right. then um, uh, type one diabetes. And I, I think those three for even like typical people kind of travel together. Um, it's not an uncommon occurrence to have and like those together. Okay. But, um, yeah, I, I just wish we would have known the role of light from the, from the get, from the get go, especially blue artificial light. Um, the people with down syndrome, are very sensitive to it. And, and like you alluded to in the beginning, it's mitochondrial function at its core. And uh, the increased need for infrared, red, you know, red light. And then knowing what you know about blue light, it slows down. What does it do? Oh, it slows down their ability to process light. Right. And does. we know that it ultimately blue light on its own when it's not you know, mixed with the infrareds and the other wavelengths, it is damaging to the mitochondria. And for somebody who's already struggling with that, it's only going to exacerbate right. it. Right. If I'm already at a, you know, at a deficit of other things and I make this the the biggest thing that I'm exposed to, then yeah, because I think it's not uncommon to, to, to place kids in front of screens. Oh no, they've become babysitters. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I don't, I don't think either of us could say we don't sometimes do oh. that, but it's definitely, they a, are convenient, but I yeah. we just really have to watch, um, you know, why are we putting on the screens? Mm -hmm. You know, if it's like, I'm super overstimulated and 
I need to take a minute and like they need to, you know, that's going to be better for them than me yelling or 100%, you know, then the yeah. screen ultimately is a, a good, a better choice right. than mom getting upset. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so like in thinking about that is from the start, if we could take a kid with Down syndrome, this would be a really interesting study uh, from the start and really, really limiting exposure to blue light. Because I think about when we had him, you know, it was oh, lights gosh. were on first thing in the morning, you know, and well, in the middle of the night, watch, diaper changes. Yeah, yeah. Watch TV. Go ahead. First thing in the morning. You know, if I just it would just be interesting to see how the story would have played out. You know, right. And, and then having more time outside, I will say that his daycare, it was an in-home daycare. And I can remember calling her and saying, are you sure you still want to take him because he has Down syndrome? And <laughs> she was like, why wouldn't I? You know, I didn't, we didn't really know her that well then. And she ended up watching a lot of our kids while I was still working. And, uh, and she even took care of him when he was diagnosed with type one and like gave him injections and stuff like that. Wow. Um, but she was really good. They didn't watch TV a lot, like one time a day they would, when she was getting lunch ready and, uh, they went outside every day. So at least we had that going on, but I just think they're so sensitive to light. And I can't help but think too, like people on the spectrum, like the oh, same absolutely. with them too. Yeah. Absolutely. So any spectrum disorder, I'm going to say, because Down syndrome is, is too, you know, I mean, you can have really low cognitive function and really low uh, physical and adaptive function as well. So um, it's just, it's crazy. Like you just, that would be an interesting You just study. wonder. Yeah. Because it's not like, you know, we already have the data on living the modern life. So all we would need is like a subset of kids who aren't. Yeah. yeah. And then compare. Any funders out there? Any investors? Yeah, anybody out there want to yeah. do this? It would be fun. I mean, I don't feel like it would cost a lot of money. No, probably not. But what do yeah. I know? Yeah. So, so okay. <laughs> and then, so which, he, he had the alopecia first? Um, He had, he was diagnosed with thyroid first, with Hashimoto's first, because he started losing some of his hair. And that's what we thought that it was. And so we did that. And he got put on, you know, thyroid medicine and then, uh, the hairs kept falling out. And so he had alopecia and, um, then right before he turned four, he, um, was he had been, you know, potty trained through the night for a while and, um, kept waking up and like asking for mass amounts of water and like chugging water. And then he would pee the bed and, uh. He, so, so he was doing that in the middle of the night, like just really. That's thirsty. usually one of the biggest symptoms. And then sometimes they'll get, uh, go into what's called uh, diabetic ketoacidosis and they get like super sick that they are spilling so many ketones and it makes them almost like they have the flu and they, they just get so sick. And then you'll see like a mass amount of weight drop. He didn't have any of that. He was like, honestly, you would have thought that, that nothing was wrong with him. Like he just kept playing at a normal rate. But he was in that? He was in the diabetic? He, he wasn't He wasn't oh. into it yet. No. I was going to say, so, that's crazy. Yeah, I know. But he still had to feel horrible because upon diagnosis, when we went in, his blood sugar was in the 700s. You know, and you're trying to keep blood sugar. Like you're thinking about blood sugar. You're thinking 70 to 120. Right. 
It's like and, seven uh, times. <laughs> and that's not even the highest that I've ever heard. I mean, I've heard people well into the thousands, you know, and so I, I, don't, I don't know. But even when he was in the hospital, I mean, you would have thought that we were just there for just a visit the way he walked <laughs> around that place. Like, it, it, that's the thing. It's almost like, you know how like when a when a wild animal gets hurt and they just keep going, you know, because they just know nothing but survival. Yeah. I, I get, I get that feeling from him. Yeah. Like he just keeps, like he just keeps going. Like nothing is like, he's like, well, all right, let's do this. Right. You know, like, it's just crazy. He's just, he's great. Like, honestly, like, I mean, I feel like our girls would have just been like, Oh my gosh. I know. You know. Like they, they have that whole like joke about the man colds, but oh, in I know. my house that is flipped. Like if I'm sick, I am upset. I am complaining. My girls are the same way, but like my husband, he's fine. He's fine. He's just sick, but he's fine. And <laughs> thank God. You just keep going. Yeah. They just keep going. Yeah. It is funny. But same with yeah. the boys. Like they're just wild and crazy. Sun up to sundown. It doesn't matter if they're sick. They don't notice. Yeah. They don't notice. Yeah. They don't even know they're sick. Like, like what? Whoa, 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 whoa! You're like 102 degrees right now. Can you go lay down for a minute? <laughs> or like you, you literally have like snot all over your face. Can you just sit down for a minute? Like, can we wipe the nose for yeah. me? Can you blow your nose, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Oh my like gosh. I'm too. <laughs> my seven. I had to take my seven year old to the doctor to learn how to blow his nose because he was getting like sinus headaches, and yeah. I was like getting scared because he yeah. was having these horrible headaches. We're going way off topic here, but. The doctor taught him how to blow his nose. And now the headaches are gone. <laughs> so, can you imagine? Mom win of the year. <laughs> All right. So we hold one nose, one side closed, <laughs> and then we blow. All right. Well, you can leave them both open. It doesn't matter. Just blow your nose. Just do it. Just get it out. Okay. Back to the thyroid. So, okay. I don't. I don't know that much about actually dealing with a thyroid disorder so typically does it get worse over time or does it stay if level not or yeah if it's not managed and then you know like i've kind of dabbled in it and i listened to some things about it i don't know the intricate details of like thyroid you think that i would um i probably know more about blood sugar than i do anything and it, it's all connected you know even like I'm sure autoimmunity, something is connected to something, liver, thyroid connection, gut, I mean, thyroid connection. Like it's, it's all. It's one body. It, Anything yeah. that goes on in the body is connected. Yeah. And, and honestly, I've kind of landed in this place of I don't think the body would ever attack itself. I think it's just trying to survive because it, it does only know one thing. Yeah. Right. Everything yeah. it's doing is ultimately for the greater good of the body. Right. Because it wants to stay, like it wants you here still, you know? Um, right. I heard a theory that um, autoimmune, and this is a theory that I heard, um, yeah. <laughs> that autoimmunity is not like the body attacking itself, but it's trying to attack something within like whatever tissue it is that is having the trouble. Trying and, to make it better. Yeah. Right. And so it. Yeah it ends up attacking itself, but that's not what it's trying to do. It's trying to get to something else, yeah. something like that's we causing see it the that. issue. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it would be like something of um, you just got done cutting grass and you got something like pollen or like, you know, uh, ragweed or something stuck up your nose. And, well, I'm just going to stop it, stop myself from sneezing and the, the snot production. Right. Like you wouldn't do that. You know what I mean? Like, and so I don't know, sometimes I like dig for information and I'm like, well, that's too far yet for me. Like, I don't, I don't quite understand it. So <laughs> that's right. when you ask for help. Um so yeah. has his, you know, because we know that the UVA light is very important for thyroid health and regulation and hormones. So you guys do that, right? We do. Yeah, he's outside every every morning. That's when he likes to practice his golf and game. His, his thyroid has not gotten worse. Um. Well, I think it the. Sometimes the dose will go up, and I think that has a lot to do with hormone as okay. he's gone through puberty and mm-hmm. um, growing, you know, because you'll see blood sugar changes with that too, and insulin needs change with that. So again, it's it's all it's all connected. When his parents are uh, really strict with um, like lessening gluten amounts, and uh, strict with red light therapy, we see a lot of progress. But then sometimes when life you know, is so busy, life is busy. His parents aren't. <laughs> Who are his parents? For I don't know, but they should really get their their act together sometimes. <laughs> so, um, but it when does you do have red light. Do you put it like on the thyroid or just? Um, like... It's yeah, just it's. I think it's twelve. Um, no, that one can be closer. I think that's six to 12 inches away. Okay. Six to 12 inches away. And then for its head, it is about a foot away. And the thyroid can only be done like so many times a week because it is sensitive. You know, it sits right there almost. It's like, hey, I want to receive the sunlight. You know, it's not it's not hidden somewhere, you know, on the back of our body. It's, it's right there ready for light and... Uh, which was a pretty neat thought when I first learned that, like, oh, my eyes are here. Oh, they should probably be seeing something, you know, like it's, it's really cool. But when you, when we are very strict with it, uh, antibodies go way down. Really? That is fascinating. And then the gluten too, you see the antibodies go down. Yeah. And honestly, okay. So that was a conversation that we had in the beginning about, um, and I knew gluten could be an issue for a while. And so that's when I started doing like sourdough and stuff like that. And then like rye, um, it, it lessens the gluten tremendously. And, uh, it actually makes it a low glycemic food as well. Contrary to like, because it's already digested. Yeah. And, um, so we've come to a pretty nice, you know, even thought of, if we can only have it maybe every other day, maybe every two days, maybe every three days, because sometimes it does create an easy meal for us, you know? Uh, so we'll Feeding get Getting a lot of kids is not an easy task. And oh. if there's something that everybody likes that is already like, it can be like a quick, easy meal. Oh, it's God. Yeah, yeah. Because the reality is of, and and honestly, I have a kid who I don't think does well on high protein, high fat. Not everybody does. No, I I sometimes don't. Um, 
I, I can't eat a lot of like pulled pork stuff. I don't know why. Every time that I have that, I'm like, oh, and it's not what I'm having with it because I could have that other stuff, you know, at the same time and I would feel funny or feel fine. But I, one of my kids, she does not do well, like at all. Like she could do eggs with a piece of bacon, but if it's like sausage and eggs and cheese and that's it, not good. Like she just does yeah. not function well than the rest of the day. I don't well, know. Yeah. And then also it's like, okay. When my son was struggling with gut things, meat would really, really disrupt his stomach. His acid reflux would get worse. And we worked on like, you know, working in enzymes and working on gut health. But ultimately, at the end of the day, everybody's bio-individual. And sometimes it's not that something's wrong. It's that it's just not right for us. Like, not everybody's the same. And there's this big, like, you got to eat protein and fat and low carb. Well, guess what? I get really shaky if I don't have enough carbs. That's a good point. Same. I, I, I completely agree with that. I can get behind the whole like low carb breakfast thing uh, because it, it does set, like I notice a huge difference with blood sugar and I'm only obviously tracking one person because he has a glucose monitor, but when he has a low carb breakfast, he is way more, um, carb sensitive or however you want to word it like throughout, throughout the, the rest of the day. Yeah. And so then like, I see no issue then in having carbs then when you are, when your body is, you know, generally a little more ready for like, so middle of the day, like, like protein, middle of the day, fat breakfast dinner. and then mm-hmm. a little carbs later. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I just, so. I think there's so much nuance when it comes to the diet. Like we have to be able to accept like, this is what makes me feel good. And this doesn't serve me as well, even though maybe it serves this person that I really like online. It's not serving me. Isn't that a good, good. And I think that I was thinking about this the other day and gosh, I have a lot of thoughts when I do dishes and, um, (laughs) I know you do too. I do. (laughs) I'm just trying to forget the fact that I'm doing dishes. (laughs) But it's like, you know, when you're on a journey of some sort, and you find yourself, you know, you're learning all this stuff and like you're super strict about it. And then, and you learn it all. And then at some point you kind of have this realization of like, well, I don't have to be so strict with it at this part of my day or this part of my life. Like you start to understand the whole, the, the nuanced approach to it all. It's like, well, are carbs bad? Is oatmeal bad? No, no, it's not. It's just maybe I don't have it at breakfast. Maybe I have it as like a savory oatmeal at lunch or, you know, or like I have my potatoes in the afternoon. But we can't. I'm I'm very much over the all or nothing. Me too. And we have to remember that kids are not small adults. They're growing and they're changing. And so maybe like one year they're doing really great on a higher protein diet, but maybe as they're growing and they're, like you said, reaching puberty, like maybe they do need Mm -hmm. something more. Maybe they need more carbs or more food in general, you know, like it's not weird to say like, oh, you're growing, you need more food. Right. Like I know sometimes this is going to be way off subject. Well, every month, whenever I get to a certain part of my menstrual cycle, I'm like, give me all of the carbohydrates that I can get. And it's like, finally, when I did that, my body was like, you feel good. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) Right. 
It's like we can like suffer through and be fatigued and tired and get like, you know, just like a worse cycle in general because we want to be strict and we want to be healthy or we can lean into it and be like, I need carbs today. Yeah. Yeah. You right. know what? Carbs are not the bad guy all the time. Sometimes they're the bad guy, but sometimes they're not. Yeah, no, you're right. Like, do you need to be eating, you know, donut after donut? And like, maybe for a day you do, but it, you know, like ultimately you're like, yeah, I don't feel so good after I did that, you know? Right. And so it's like, just sometimes you just got to be, you know, a grown up and just, yeah, it's a learning process. I went completely off of, you know, like the seed oils and stuff. And then my husband really wanted us to do like a date night and get takeout. So I was like, you know, fine, I'll have a sub. Like, I, I love sandwiches. I just do. Yeah. yeah. I felt like junk the next day. <laughs> and so, okay, I learned my lesson. When we do takeout, maybe I opt for the steak. Like, but, <laughs> but I learned. Like, we have to, we can't be like, oh, I, I made a bad choice. Like, okay, well, let's just move on. Maybe we don't right. do that again. Yeah, exactly. Maybe exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I know where my line is. But. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you just recognize that it's all a journey. And, you know, sometimes I think that if we hadn't had, Will, what I have gone down this the, yeah. journey, this whole thought process. And, you know, when, when you look at kids with Down syndrome, too, they are sensitive. Their guts, I think, are a little bit more sensitive, too. So, you know, watching seed oils maybe not giving them, uh, you know, sandwich after sandwich, you know, thinking it, it is like the, the healthiest thing, um, you know, daily for every meal. I don't know. I, it, I don't, I don't know, but I, I just think that step number one for a kid with Down syndrome would be light, light circadian rhythm, because what's fascinating too, um, Oh my gosh, I'm going to think about. It. Okay, so interferon, part of that balancing of the nervous system because it's like their nervous system is like, "Oh my gosh, we got to attack, attack. We got something invading us." When probably they don't. But blue light, UV light. I don't know why I said blue. UV light clears that response. Really? 10 that minutes a day. 10 minutes. So, it's like you're, you know, it's like people are like, "Well, what about, you know, skin cancer and stuff like that?" And you're like, "It's 10 minutes a day." You know, build up that solar callus first, you know, let's not be like Right. Silly let's about be it. smart. But, right. But 10 minutes can even out that immune system and that's not just for people with down syndrome. That's for everyone. All of us. Yeah, isn't that cool? Like It's like the more you learn, so cool. like we keep coming back to like the same <laughs> the same foundation, but it's still fun to learn. Cause you're like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like, so I, I don't have to do anything yeah. different, but like, look at this new thing. Right. So, and then you tell people and they're like, Oh my gosh, that sounds, that's not a good idea. Like, that's, that's not real. No. Like what's the mechanism of action? Right. You're like, no, I don't, I don't care. How about can that? Tell me. Can you tell me what mechanism of action actually means? No. <laughs> yeah. Like, why are we always asking this question? <laughs> okay, so going back to the light and autoimmunity and Down syndrome, how do you think that like finding this lifestyle has really made a difference? I think it has definitely helped to balance his immune system. I still think like it, it, it's something that we could never give up. Um, 
but it has made me feel a lot calmer in the idea that when he does get sick, and I think it has, I have had to do some work too in recognizing that sickness is beneficial. You know, whether you agree or, or you go down like germ theory or terrain, terrain. theory or both, whatever, I, I honestly don't care anymore. Um, you know, I'm going to go be around lots of people if I want to be around lots of people in the middle of the winter. I, I don't care. Um, if they want to lick whatever it is, kids <laughs> lick, I don't care anymore. You know what I mean? Like, like we, things. It, yeah. <laughs> um, if he gets sick, I feel a lot more like confident in his body. Yeah. That his body is like, well, yeah, I just need to go through this quick process if you let me. And, um, and, and I, at two me, I say so more because I probably get more stressed about it than my husband does just because he just is always that kind of like half glass full kind of person. Not that I'm not, but you know, uh, usually he has to remind me that we're going to trust his body, you know, like we can't say these things and not actually believe them. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, like like find find yourself in gratitude of of it, and then uh, go go with it. And and so I've I've I think that that's where this whole circadian approach has really helped me help him. If that answered the question yeah. at all. Yeah, I, I I totally agree. I feel like finding this lifestyle has allowed me to just be more calm. And like not so controlling, like we can, as moms, we can really want to control every little thing that goes into our kids' bodies or could possibly happen. And ultimately we can't, and we have to trust the process. Right. Because the sun shines every day. It comes up every day for a purpose. You know, it's not right. just some arbitrary thing that's just, you know, going from east to, to west with no purpose, you know, so we might as well use it to our advantage. And that's kind of like a, I think some would think of that as a foreign thought, you know? Oh yeah. But, <clears throat> but when you, when you think about it, you're like, well, it makes sense. It makes sense. And I, that's, I think this is the most sensical thing that I've ever come across. And yeah, it, it in turn has brought peace to understanding a basis of health yeah if you will and I mean I feel like because you said you know Will has such great muscle tone that's something that you know you could either foster or it could it could backslide you know and going outside we know how good playing outside is for kids yeah. gross motor and for their core strength and for all of those things and for kids who are sitting in front of the tv and this is even for like typical children they're seeing you know preschool kids who, you know, can't sit up straight or can't walk normal. And it's right. like they have zero mm -hmm. core strength because they never go outside. They're yeah, never walking on uneven ground even. Right. To have stability. And I know that uh, when we had that call with Dr. Jay Montgomery, he had even said, and, you know, he brought to, to, to light, I should say, uh, the whole idea of, you know, blue light and, and people with Down syndrome and how it kind of dampens dopamine and stuff. But his number one thing that he said was that, you know, kids with Down syndrome thrive when they're outside. And you think about the power of walking among the trees and you know, 
sound like you yeah. can sound like total hippies, but I mean, you can be a hippie in like sports too. You we're, know, like we're that hippie kind of scientists. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I like that. It's nature, but it's based in science as well. It, yeah. And you know, ancestrally, they didn't know this stuff. It was just their way of life for ever, you know, uh, it, it's just interesting. So, you know, you, you, again, people with Down syndrome, light outside time because he gets really sad too when it's winter because he likes to be warm and so that's that's something we do too with sauna use only for like 10 minutes but he likes it well and he's older too yeah and he can tell us more now but uh yeah it's just and it's it's interesting like like you said i mean we we do belong outside we just all feel better and, you know, Down syndrome is not something, you know, because I think that in the holistic world, we get so obsessed with like, oh, we can cure this, we can cure this. Down syndrome, you you don't get rid of it. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't deserve like the best quality of life or the best childhood. So right, right, right. Like, it's not reason to be like, well, he can watch extra TV. Yeah, that's not a reward. You know, well, I mean, maybe some people use it as a reward. I don't want to say that's good or bad because I'm not you right. Know, you, you know, whatever you do, but uh, that would not. That is not if if I'm dealing with someone that is having trouble with blue light and is needing more infrared light. TV is not the reward. You know, right? It might be a an extra golf outing, or it might be a hike, or a walk, or something that he likes equally as well you know and it's it's interesting to think about so well before we wrap up is there anything else that you want to add in i don't think so if you have a little one with down syndrome go outside like honestly and don't let him watch tv like at all (laughs) get the Blue light blocking yeah, screen. That, that's true. I forget about those things. The screen things would things. be good. Yeah. And then on red from when they're little, put the screens on, like your phone and stuff on red. And even non-native EMFs. We I didn't talk about that, but oh, it, yeah. they're it's so sensitive. Like they're just so it's almost like their antennas, you know, are just like right. on hyper alert, you know. And uh well, that, when we talk about them, you know, having that extra intuition or mm-hmm. you know, it. I feel like it's the same, like maybe the flip side of the coin to say that they have, they're more sensitive to things like non-native EMFs. Yeah. For sure. Makes sense to me in my mind. I don't know. Always. Okay. I don't need science to back it up. I don't need a research paper. It makes sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, before we wrap up, we're just going to tell everybody to go outside. And we will talk to you all next week. All right. Have a good one.